Galatians chapter 5, hallelujah, it says, verse 16, Thus I say, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of your flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, and you uh, cannot do the things that you would. It's interesting. You could not, you cannot do the things you would. The flesh is very powerful. The flesh, and there's one thing that will subdue it. Walking in the Spirit. It says, but if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are these. I remember one time, long, long time ago, I said to Rhonda, I said, somebody should make a list of sins so that everybody knows what's a sin. And she said, I think the Bible did. And so here's, here's some of them. Now, the works of the flesh, which are sins, are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murderers, and drunkens, revelings, and such as like, of which I tell you before, and I've told you in times past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And again, when you see that, I know a lot of people immediately go, that means they're not saved. But anytime you see and not inherit the kingdom of God, I don't believe it's talking about your ultimate home in heaven. It just means you can't walk in the blessings of God here on the earth. It's just impossible. It's just impossible. So I don't understand why people would want to see how worldly and carnal they can be as they walk through this life. It's just as long as I know I'm going to heaven. Well, that's just silly and stupid. If God has provided so much for you, we ought to walk in it. Amen. And we want to inherit the kingdom of God. And you have arrived in the last days, whether you like it or not. And so all the things of this world and the, this, this evil system and the flesh are, 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 are even, it's even stronger and harder these days. But there's one thing that will cure, cure it. It is, yes, get born again. And after you get born again, you ought to get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues. And then after that, you ought to get discipled. Bible Institute will disciple you. Uh, you ought to get discipled. And once you get discipled, then what ought you do? Well, you need to walk in the Spirit. What is walking in the Spirit? Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and life. So walking in the Word is walking in the Spirit. And so we've already talked about that. And then it goes on to say, and then the fruit of the Spirit is. What is the fruit of the Spirit? The Spirit it's talking about is not the Holy Spirit. It's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit so much. It's the fruit of your born-again Spirit produced by the Holy Ghost. So your born-again spirit can produce these things, and there's nine of them. And what are they? They are love. And, and interesting, I always believe that the Lord, when he lists things, they're not, most of the time, they're by importance. And so the first fruit of the spirit is love. And that's interesting because the Bible says there's faith, hope, and love, and love is the greatest of these. So the fruit of the Spirit, so love, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, but it's also a fruit that comes from your born-again Spirit. So love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. Uh, I like faithfulness better than faith there in the King James. And it says, um, so it says, love, joy, uh, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh... Oh, man. They have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So it's twofold there. we got to learn to walk in the Spirit that it will produce fruit. And remember what this whole series I've been talking to you about, it's been disjointed because it's been over a long period of time uh, this summer. But, you know, we'll put it all together. Actually, one of the things I'm going to do is my original book, uh, No Longer Shackled, I'm going to turn into a workbook. I didn't intend for it to be such, but people are using it in drug rehabs. They're using it in different places. 
because, uh, and I found out that people that get it, they're afraid that someone's going to think they're living in sin. Uh, and so they want to, so we were almost going to get brown paper bags for them out there. So no one would think that. But how many of you know we all have flesh? And so what we're going to do is I'm going to add this onto the end of it and turn it into a workbook. And so since I told you publicly, that means that it'll, uh, I'll light a little fire in me and, and I'll maybe get a little bit done. I, I've got a pastor in Mattoon, Illinois, that's like every time I see him, like five years ago, I told him I was going to do it. Cause, uh, and he's like, where is it? And so we're going to get on it. Hallelujah. So um, glory to God. So thank God for the fruit of the Spirit. And what does the fruit do? It'll produ- it will push out some of these lusts of the flesh. Yes, you've got to crucify your flesh. Hallelujah. Yes, you've got to keep your body under. Glory to God. But how are you going to do it? By the help of the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about willpower. I'm talking about God power. I'm not talking about willpower. I'm talking about God power. I'm not talking about willpower. I'm talking about God power. And so even all these, like I'll just pull, pull one out, faithfulness. So faithfulness, somebody can have what looks like faithfulness, like um, they're always true to their word. They're always on time. They always get their work done. But anybody in the world can do that. This stuff that I'm talking about is empowered by God. And we've looked at the word. So last time, remember, we were on a really good roll and we talked about faithfulness. We talked about meekness. Remember, we left off with meekness. Just for review, meekness is an even balance of all tempers and passions. The entire um, opposite of anger. Being evenly balanced, they remain in control of yourself in the face of insults and injustice. You remain meek, you remain uh, mild when someone insults you. When um, someone even injures you. It's not weakness, it's control. It's not being weak. Meek is not weak. Meekness is controlled. Jesus was not weak, yet he was the meekest man that walked down the earth. And it's a high thing with the Lord that we be meek. And so um, being controlled, and what will it do? Well, it gets rid of lasciviousness. Y'all know what that is. It gets rid of hatred. You know what that is. It gets rid of variance. You may not remember what that is. Variance is a bitter, mean-spirited person consumed with its own self-interest. Issues get blown out of proportion with someone who walks in variance. They would rather, a person who uh, brings about variance, which is a work of the flesh, they consistently do this. They would rather bring havoc than admit that they were wrong. They would rather everything be around them in havoc than admit they're wrong. It's not godly. It's not pretty. God doesn't wink at it. I don't know when in the body of Christ we thought, well, that's okay. But if anyone professes to be a born-again believer, they ought to begin to work on the fruit. And then this fruit will get rid of some of those things. Well, it's just because of what kind of job they're in. It's what kind of profession they're in. It's their personality. Well, thank God uh, you can get your personality changed. You don't have to have a multiple one anymore. Hallelujah. You don't have to have one at home and one for church. I'll say it again. You don't need a multiple personality. You don't need one for home and work and then a different one. When, uh-oh, I'm at church. I pulled on the parking lot. Let's put on my holier-than-thou personality. No, you shouldn't have, be a person of multiple personalities. You should have one personality. You should be the same at church as you are at home. 
Come on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. As a pastor, I love it when I don't have to lie at someone's funeral. I've been to funerals where people are up telling how, how meek and kind and mild they were. And I see eye rolls and stuff like that. And people are like, I don't know who they think that was. Mm. Come on. Nobody wants to lie at your funeral. All right. Anyway, let's keep going. All right. So let's go on to temperance. I'm glad you're having a good time. I am too. Spirit of God's in the room. Hallelujah. Keep, what is temperance? It keeps us moderate. It teaches us to restrain from unhealthy passions and controls and governs the flesh. Restraint, moderation, discipline. Oh, that's a good word. Balance, self-control. And what this will do is this temperance will cause us to get rid of uncleanness. What is uncleanness? Lewd, unclean thoughts that eventually produce lewd and unclean actions. It'll help us get rid of lasciviousness, excessive consumption of food or wild, undisciplined living. It will get rid. This one's interesting. I, and, and, I, and, and I've tried to just look at these and ask the Holy Ghost to help me. And then knowing the scripture that I know and what I know about God, uh, this is not an exact thing. Because, you know, all these fruit could work on all the lusts of the flesh. But some seem more pointed towards uh, some than others. And so this uh, temperance, what it will do, it will get witchcraft. Remember, witchcraft is pharmakia. So what is pharmakia? You know, witchcraft, you think, well, I've never played with a Ouija board. I don't do no witchcraft. But witchcraft doesn't mean that. Witchcraft is pharmakia. You all know, what does that sound like to you? That sounds like a pharmacy because that's the same root word. What do you get at a pharmacy? Well, you, you get them there legally. But how many know sometimes legal drugs can end up messing you up as much as illegal drugs? Right? You can become addicted to painkillers. You can become addicted to stuff to put you to sleep. You have to take a pill to go to bed and a pill to get up. That's pharmakia. That's pharmakia. Hallelujah. What does it mean? Well, it describes the flesh's attempt to medicate itself so it doesn't have to be confronted or changed. So in other words, people, your flesh would rather you medicate it than change. Now, I'm not opposed to medicine. You all know that. So I got, I got, you know, sometimes people are new around. So you don't like medicine? Medicine's fine. It's got to watch today, you know. I'm grateful they have to tell you that if you take that pill, an arm's going to grow out your head. I appreciate the fact that they tell you that, you're, you know, this will help your eye, but your kneecap is going to go backwards. You know, I appreciate when they tell you, have to tell you those things now. You know, some of them, are, they'll help you do this, but then there's 30 things that could go wrong. You know, you get to decide, is it really worth it? So everybody, you need to be led in what you do. I am not against uh, uh, medicine, though. Hallelujah. I'm not. Glory to God. And you all know that. All right. Let's look at some scripture. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, just as we wind this up. And I got some other things I want to do along these lines. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. It says, um, what it says. And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Everybody say, I'm temperate, I'm temperate. in all things. So what does that mean? This, is a, uh, this fruit helps you produce a lifestyle, temperance. It says, 
And every man that strives for the mastery, if you want to finish your course, if you want to hear well done and good faithful servant, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we do it to obtain that, that glorious crown that Jesus gives us at the judgment seat of Christ so that we can lay it at his feet. But we won't get there unless temperance is a part of our life. Because temperance, temperance keeps us moderate. I mean, you could do it. It's just really easy. You know, uh, food's a good one for me because I can be moderate or I can be, you know. Um, I honestly, you know, at a time or two in my life, I could have and maybe have devoured a whole coconut cream pie. <laughs> because why put down your fork? It still tastes good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's still good. So... But with that, um, it's not wrong to have things. It's not wrong to have nice things. But you shouldn't have a $60,000 American Express or a Visa bill so that you can have those nice things. You know, it's terrible when you buy a $75 pair of jeans and they end up costing you $500 because you paid interest on them. And now you can't wear them anymore. Because you ate a whole coconut <laughs> cream pie. <laughs> Y'all with me? You understand? But temperance will keep you. Temperance will keep you. This, this fruit is a daily. This one really is. You, we need this daily. And we need it now more in our society than ever. It'll keep you out of extremes. I believe this fruit will also keep you from the ditches on the left and the right, uh, even in the body of Christ. Uh, it'll keep you away from the opinions of men that'll keep you out, out, of, out of the ditches and out of, uh, out of those things. So temperance, you know, that fruit of temperance helps you here. And so, and then this one, it doesn't say it exactly, but I believe you would have to be temperate in order to do this. Let's look at Romans chapter 14, and then we're going to uh, move on. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And we love that scripture and preached a lot off of it. For he that in, uh, in these things serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after these things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. And then it talks about this, for meat, for meat destroy not the work of God. All things are indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eats with offense. It is, neither, uh, it, it is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby the brother stumbles or is offended or made weak. And we've talked about this in times past with a lot of things. And the Lord dealt with me actually two or three years ago before COVID started on some things. But this has to do with us as believers who are supposed to be mature. And as mature believers, the higher you go up in God, the more responsibility you have because the more people are looking at you. And so with that, he's just saying, and what will help and what was on my heart was temperance would help me modify my life where I don't have to have my rights over somebody else's. And I know we don't like this today, but we're supposed to be preferring the brethren. And when it comes to loss, don't let me lose everybody. Maybe do I need to come over here? Even this, even with lost people, even with lost people, we're supposed to be living in a temperate way that we don't offend them. Yeah, but it does, I don't, they're offending me, but they're not born again. And they have a fallen nature. 
and they're a sinner and sinners sin. But you're born again. Anyone who gets you to get all riled up and really it's getting you out of the fruit of temperance that your rights come to the top doesn't matter what anybody else wants or needs. Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? And you see, if you start... If, if, okay, I won't fight you. Bested is the repote elabranse. So if you yield and walk out of temperance in one area, it's very difficult to continue to walk in it in another area. You cannot pick and choose when you walk in my spirit and when you do not walk in my spirit. I told you to walk in my spirit every day, every hour, and you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh, says the Holy Ghost. I didn't know where he was going. I didn't know if he's going to get me in trouble or not. But I really don't care. I guess I cared a little bit. I just want you to know because, because listen, there's so much out there right now. And again, you got to be careful where you're walking. Walk in the Spirit. Yeah, but it's wrong, but walk in the Spirit. Yeah, but, but walk in the Spirit. You do what God told you to do. You walk in the spirit. Don't let, your, don't let anybody rile up your flesh. You rile it up in one area, it'll get riled up in another. Amen. The fruit of the spirit is very important. It is the sign of Christian maturity. It is the sign of Christian maturity. Not the gifts. Not the manifestations. We, especially in our kind of church, we love those. We've had them. We've had how many tonight of the manifestations? We've had words of knowledge, gifts of healing and demonstration, uh, tongue and interpretation. Uh, we've had four of the nine just right here. Do we like the gifts? Do we want the manifestations? We, we're supposed to covet them. That's a sign that we're living in the new covenant. We should want those things. People who don't want those things are cold or lukewarm. We want those things. But on the other hand, it's, it's the fruit of the Spirit that designates your maturity level. Amen. Because those things have to grow. And that also means you're putting your flesh under. That also means you're putting your flesh over. How can you, how can you designate a baby Christian or a carnal Christian? By how fleshly they are. Not in church, but at home, at work. Remember the Corinthians, they had all those manifestations going, man. They had them all. They talked in tongues more than anybody. And what did Paul say to them? I could only address you as carnal. So the manifestations and the running around and the swinging the chandeliers, that is great, but it does not designate maturity. And we can have both. I think the more mature you are, the, no, the more you know when to swing on the chandelier and when not to swing on the chandelier. Amen? Because that really should be a response to the Holy Ghost. Those things you do are not to get the Holy Ghost to move. You can't dance him in. You can't even laugh him in. But when he's in, you can respond to him that way. 
You can respond to him in a dance. You can respond to him in a run. You can respond to him in laughter. You can respond to him. Same Holy Ghost that does the manifestations. But the more mature we are, the better off we'll get. All right, so let's turn. Uh, um, let's turn. Let's turn. Are you ready to bear much fruit? You ready to bear much fruit? Come on. Let's all be fruity in a good way. Amen. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. I love this scripture. I love this scripture. I love the mercy of God, the kindness of God, the good. I want to show you this. Luke chapter 13. Um, verse 6. Luke 13, we'll start at verse 6. And you all probably, I don't know if you got the notes. He spake unto a parable. Jesus is talking a parable. So what does he use a parable for? He, he's using something in nature usually to show us something spiritual. And so he said, here's a parable. A certain man had a fig tree. Jesus likes them fig trees, don't he? Um, he's either talking about them or cursing them or eating off of them, obviously. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he to the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I've come seeking fruit from this tree, and I haven't found any. Now you get rid of it. Cut it down and do what? Do I cumbereth it the ground? In other words, why is it taking up space in my fruitful garden? Cut it down. Cut it down. Cut it down. Now look at this. And the, the, the dresser of the vineyard said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year, and I'm going to dig around it, and I'm going to put some fertilizer on it. I think we all ought to pray. Lord, let me dig around. Let me put some fertilizer on it. Is the Lord serious about us producing fruit? Yes. Amen. Is he serious about us growing up? Yes. Bible Institute will help you grow up. Um, he's ex he, is, he is serious about it, really serious about it. But I like the fact that someone came and said, Lord, let's give it a year. That just, the mer listen, God is not going to give up on you. And, and you know what? I believe if you ask him for another year after that, he's going to give it to you again. But the deal of it is, it ought to be producing figs. It ought to be producing fruit. Amen. Now, y'all Wednesday night people, y'all want to grow up. And I know that. But even in our own lives, don't just say, I, you know, there's no way, you know, I'm ever going to be able to produce meekness. I'm just not going to be able to do that. No, you just have to dig in and ask the Lord to help you. Why are you not producing that fruit? Why are you not producing, you know, um, I have a hard time being on time. I have a hard time sticking to something. I have a hard time uh, fulfilling my word. Well, what is that? That's a lack of the fruit of faithfulness. Lord, help because you could. This is how I would fix that. Lord, you're faithful, and you live in me. Teach me to be faithful. Holy Ghost, if I'm about to let something go, I ask you to prompt me because I want to be faithful. I'm going to put down that whatever that is in my flesh that doesn't want that for me. That you know, because sometimes it's not. It's not always late. Everybody say, "Well, someone's not faithful. They're lazy." That's not always the truth. Sometimes they're just busy. Sometimes it has nothing to do with lazy. They're just totally busy doing everything else in life. 
But you got to put God first. You got to put first things first. You got to be faithful to Him. How many of you want God to be faithful to you? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm really on this, y'all. You know, how, much, how many of you know that Jesus gave up everything for you? He gave up heaven. Are you grateful? How many of you know he who knew no sin became sin? Right? Glory to God. How many know he didn't stop there? He took stripes on his back so that you could be healed. How many know he didn't stop there? He became poor that you could become rich. How many know he didn't stop there? He said, uh, my peace I leave you. Right? I mean, he just kept giving and giving and giving. And so we, as the people of God, we ought not be uh, selfish with our stuff. We're in a two-way covenant. Everything he has is ours, but also everything we have is his. My Sundays are him, and that includes the PM. My Mondays are his. My Tuesdays are his. Even my Saturdays during football season are his. Every once in a while, he'll, well, most of the time he lets me do some things. But, but life is good. But you got to go at it with that. That's, that's the fruit of faithfulness. Do we need to grow in it? We do because it pushes out something in our flesh. Have we arrived? I haven't. I don't know if you have. I think some of my fruit's still a little sour or dwarfy looking. Hallelujah. But we're going we're gonna to keep working on it. Amen. So how are we going to do that? Well, number one, I'm going to realize that even if I can't, if I, if I haven't arrived, I'm going to be like this um, vine dresser. I'm going to be like this gardener. And I'm going to say, um, nope, don't give up on me, Lord. Don't cut it down. Give me another year. And I'm going to dig around it. <laughs> and I'm going to put some fertilizer on it. Hallelujah. King James says dung. Hallelujah. That's, that's the farm where I grew up. Hallelujah. That's what my papa did. It's called manure. Hallelujah. But, but, but I'm, I'm going to put some store-bought fertilizer on mine. Hallelujah. And I'm going, how am I going to do that? I'm going to get in the word. And then next year when he's coming, I'm going to, my fruit, it may not be fully developed, but I'm going to keep growing. So I wanted to talk to you about that because a lot of times people just say, well, that's just the way I am. No, 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 no. We're all growing. Amen? Amen? Let's look at this. Psalms 1. Psalms 1. Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the ways of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But what? His delight is in the law of the Lord, or the word of the Lord. And his, in the word does he meditate day and night. Verse 3. And he shall be like a tree. So one of the things, uh, you know, uh, Jesus is the the root, the branch, we're the, you know, he's the vine, we're the branches, but also he likens us unto a tree. You shall be a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit, that brings forth fruit in season. His leaf shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Well, I think one of the greatest things, so there's all kind of fruit. There's fruit, uh, prayer, there's fruit, um, uh, and, and just in your life doing things, but the fruit of the Spirit is what we're talking about. So I think in the same way, you've got to determine that I'm going to plant my roots down deep into the, the rivers of living water, into the Word of God, into the move of the Holy Ghost, and I want to produce something. But there's some keys here that I believe will help us to make sure that we are going to produce something. Um, it says, it said, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So one of the things you and I got to make sure if we're going to produce fruit on a regular basis, we've got to get away from uh, listening to the opinions of and the advice of the ungodly. Yeah. 
Who is the ungodly? Anybody who's not godly. Who's the godly? Well, they were probably born again first, right? I would say uh, in the hour we live in, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the word of God, right? So the counsel of the godly is who we're supposed to be seeking. And even among that, you got to be careful of their opinions. So the godly should be uh, speaking the word of God and that only. Amen. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel. So what is counsel? The advice, the opinion, the rhetoric of the ungodly. Well, you know, worldly wisdom is not bad. Well, that's contrary to what James says. It says it's sensual and it's devilish. It's just natural. Why would you esteem and exalt something natural over what you have, which is spiritual? And yes, we live on this world, but the Bible says we're not of it. And so everything we do, we have a kingdom and we have a king. And we operate from that place as we navigate. You're just sojourning through this land. You're just passing through. You're just passing through. You're an ambassador from heaven. The rules of heaven apply to you. Amen. And that should be your predominant thing. Yes, uh, where you live and what you do, you should be involved. But understand, everything ought to come out of the kingdom that you live in and that you're from. And we should not be getting our advice from the uh, ungodly and the sinner. And so it says this uh, in Psalms 33:11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Psalms 33:11. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the thoughts of his hearts to all generations. So the counsel of God, the word of God stands how long? How, what am I talking about? I'm talking about you being a tree. I'm talking about you being a tree planted by the river. I'm talking about you being a tree that produces fruit. What's going to keep you from your fruit? Listening to ungodly people. It's only the counsel of the Lord that stands forever. Acts 5.38. I love this. And, I want, and listen to me. And, now, and I'll say, uh, so you understand what I'm talking about here. Acts 5.38 and 39. And now I say to you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel... Or this work be of men, it'll come to nothing. Verse 39. But if this be from God, you can't overthrow it. Lest happily you find yourself to fight against God. This counsel is from God. It cannot be overthrown. This stands forever. Counsel from men is temporal. And if it be from a man... If it's originated from a man's brain, a man's thought, it's temporary and it's subject to failure. Amen. Don't put your foot on it. Don't base your life on it. Don't base your daily living off of it. This is where you live. This is where you live. This is where you live. Hallelujah. Because if it's God, they can fight against it morning, noon, or night. Don't matter. You, if you, go, you fight against God, you're going to lose every time. If this be of men, it'll come to nothing. It'll come to nothing. It'll come to nothing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, let's just look at it. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Did y'all see the ice cream truck over at the youth building? Did we get invited? I didn't get invited. Did you get invited? I didn't get invited. James chapter 3. Verse 13 through 18. I feel like a squirrel tonight. Uh -uh. 
Oh, there's a nut. Let's go after it. Hallelujah. Anyway, <laughs> James 3, 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show it out of a good conversation, his works with meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but it's earthly, it's sensual, and it's devilish. So earthly, sensual, and devilish, what does it look like? Uh, um, it, it, it has envy in it. There's striving in it. Lots of strife. And what do you know about strife? Is that what it says? It says, for where there's envy and strife, there's what? Confusion and every. What should I avoid? Bitter envying and strife. Right? Should I avoid it at all costs? All costs. Because with it comes wisdom from earth that's sensual and it's devilish. And then what it does this envy and strife, it opens the door up for confusion. Anytime you see confusion, you don't see God. One of the things about heaven, if you'll study it, is everything is decent and in order there. There's no confusion. Even though there's lightning and thunder, it's orchestrated. Something. There's no confusion there. Anytime you find confusion and you find envy and strife, you're going to find the devil behind that door. Every evil work, the Bible does not exaggerate. When it says every evil work, what am I talking about? I'm talking about being a tree planted by the rivers of water so that you can bear fruit. What's going to cut you off? Um, your counsel with the ungodly. You're listening to the opinions of men. You letting them. Jesus said, be careful what you hear. Now, he wasn't just talking about the word there. Be careful what opinions you hear. Be, be careful who you're listening to. How can you tell what you're full of? By what you talk about, not at church. Church is not a judgment of what you're full of. Not even close. Come on, we can all put on a hallelujah for an hour and a half. But what you say at work, what you say at home, the self-talk you do when you respond back to the news or the radio, whatever, who you're chatting with, what is that? What are you creating? Confusion. And when you open the door to confusion, there's every evil work. It's, uh, it's important because, see, you and I are called to rule and reign over the devil. There should be no confusion at your house. Should be no envying, should be no strife. I don't know that they get this anymore because um, I don't remember what I recorded because I don't get to do the membership class because mine's on video. So I don't remember if it's on there. But the last thing I used to say to every new member was this. Pastor Rhonda and I will love you through anything. We'll love you through divorce. We'll love you through any problem that you have. We will love you through sin. We'll just love you. We'll love you. We'll love you. But if you cause strife in this church, there's a sign that says E-X-I-T. We will not put up with it. Why? Because I believe the Bible. 
and with your children and your family. Now, you can't kick your kids out. I get that. But you can, you can be firm on this. There's no strife in this house. There's no strife in this house. At least you ought to practice it in your own car while you're by yourself. There's no strife in here right now. So don't allow things in from the outside that are causing strife in it. So you can control your, well, I can't control it work. Yeah, but you can control your cubicle. You can control it. I began to practice this without really practicing, knowing what I was doing. When I was uh, an accountant in Indianapolis, I worked for this lady who really taught me a lot of work ethic. I really love and appreciate her. She was my first uh, boss as an accountant. And, man, she was tough. I tell everybody she could cuss and rhyme better than any sailor I ever met. I mean, she scared me so much. My, my companion next to me, he was a lot older than me. And, I mean, she had so bullied him that, I mean, I, I know a time or two I saw him wiping away tears. I mean, she was just mean. She was good, but she was just mean. And she would come in and she would berate me. And when I make a mistake, you know, she was, always, she was always cussing at me. And I just decided this is my office. And so I just kind of created a space. I turned on my, I found a Christian radio station. And I began to have praise and worship going on in my office. I began to pray, not out loud, but under my breath in the Holy Ghost while I'm working because I could do that because I was an accountant. And it was fascinating. The Lord knows accounting. And so, uh, so just things began to go good. But I, I noticed that over the, the time that I began to do that, she would maybe used to come in and cuss, but then she would come in and kind of catch herself. Plus, that was also coming up next. One time she came across and yelled at me, and she threw a lot of things at me. And, um, and I remember after I'd been doing that a while, because at that moment she must have lost where she was because she was in my office, my boss. And I'll never forget it. I, don't, no, don't do this unless the Holy Ghost. Well, Pastor Mark, I did just what you did. Well, you might be fired, and there's no unemployment here, okay? And so, but, but this is, so if you never heard this story before, I remember putting my palms up, standing up, and said, don't you ever cuss at me again. You can get out of my office right now. And then you know what I did? I honestly this, I began to pack. <laughs> I really did. I began to pack. Because <laughs> I thought, it's over. But you know what? It wasn't over. You know what it wasn't over? You know, the truth of the matter is, before I left, she was back in church. And I kept somewhat in contact with her over the years. I loved her. I just didn't love her mouth. What am I saying? You can do that. You can, I mean, to the best of your ability. This is a no strife zone. This is a no envy zone. I'm not going to let it in my house. I'm not going to let it in my ears. I'm not going to let it in my eyes. I'm just not going to let it. And what are you doing? You're protecting your fruit tree. It will corrupt your fruit tree. Don't stand in the way. Walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And understand their counsel, if it's of man, it comes to nothing. But if it's a counsel from God, you can't fight against it. It'll always prevail. And then he said, for where there's envy and strife, there's confusion in every evil work. But let's look at this, verse 17, James 3, 17. But the wisdom that is from above is what? It's pure. It's peaceable. God's wisdom brings peace. It's gentle. It's easy to be entreated. It's full of mercy. 
It's God's wisdom is full of mercy. God's wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace and of them that make peace. You like it or not, because you're righteous, you are a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Yeah, but that just causes us to get run over. I've never seen Jesus run over. And he's the prince of peace. You can't run over Jesus. Why? Well, I guess the lion of the tribe of Judah will show up. But my point is, though, but that peace is is who he is, that, that initial peace. So don't be afraid if I walk in meekness, if I walk in temperance, if I walk in love. If I walk in peace, that people are going to run over me. Listen, the Lord told us what to do, and if we do what he said, then he will bring the results and the answers that we need. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, we'll just throw this one. It says, don't stand in the way of sinners. How are we going to protect our fruit trade? Let's look at this just real quick. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. We'll leave you in just a second. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. I wrote unto you an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with fornicators of this world or with covetousness or extortioners or with idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world. But now I've written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, covetous, an idolater, a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such one have no uh, eat. And then you all know 1 Corinthians 15, 15:33. It's not a youth group verse. It's not a youth group verse, but we use it in the youth group, but it's, it's not just a children's verse. It's an it's a everybody verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, be not deceived. Evil communications or bad company corrupts good morals. So who you keep company with? Well, well, what do you mean who I keep company with? Well, it's kind of who you're listening to. You're keeping company with them. It's, it's who you keep company with. It's not just sinners. And they could have even said, it's not just sinners. But, but these things, what, what am I talking about? It corrupts our fruit tree. And we don't want our fruit tree corrupted in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, then it says, don't sit in the seat of the scornful. And then, you know, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's taking a place or residence with someone who mocks the things of God, who doesn't value the things of God. I want to read you this, and then we'll go. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, out of the message. Now, the message is not a translation. It is a, um, a, a paraphrase. Kind of like, what I know we say it around here, uh, the Passion Translation, but the Passion Translation is not true translation either. It's more of a paraphrase. And so, but I like the Message Bible right here. This is good. Psalms 1 through, oh, do we have it too? How well God must like you. You don't walk in the ruts of those blind as bats. You don't stand with the good for nothings. You don't take your seed among the know-it-alls. Instead, you thrill to God's word. You chew on scripture day and night. You're a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Everybody say, that's me. That's me. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I like this one too. It's a different one. It says, how well God must like you. You don't hang out at Sin Saloon. You don't slink along dead-end road. You don't go to Smart Mouth College. <laughs> I like that one. You don't hang out at Sin Saloon. You don't slink along dead-end road. And you don't go to Smart Mouth College. Hallelujah. Who we hang with, what we listen to, it does affect our tree. And we want to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, we want, not only will bless our life, but it will bless everybody around us. Amen. Well, we had a good night. Hallelujah. 